morning. It's very nice to hear your voice. Glad you're here this morning. For our call to worship this morning, we have a, a song prepared for you to settle your minds, to settle your hearts, to uh, fix your thoughts on the fact, the astounding fact that our Creator, our God, um, the Creator of all galaxies, Creator of all DNA, has come to dwell with us and be among us. So settle your minds, settle your hearts with this call to worship song. it 
with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Please join us in singing Joy to the World. That's right, this song, Joy to the World, it was uh, first spoken and written by a man named Isaac, a man whose name means laughter. Um, Isaac Watts didn't intend to sing this song, write this song as a Christmas hymn. He meant it as a poem. And uh, the churches that he was in, it was full of gloom and uh, monotony and the singing in this English church. So his father, his father challenged him to do something about it. And so that's a history of why and how Isaac Watts wrote the song we're about to sing. Please stand with us and sing. Please be seated. Just welcome. Very thankful you are here today. Um, it's great to see you always on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, there's been a lot of joy going on in our community, and I want to show you pictures of a few things that have happened. Last week, there was a phenomenal banquet put on by Protestant Women of the Chapel, PWOC, just wonderful ladies in our community, just um, just sharing joy and having a fabulous dinner with everyone. Thank you for all of your help. Those of you who participated and attended, um, youth has been gathering too. This picture was taken last week at the Schuylkill's home, Glenn and Rachel's house. This is a youth group we've been doing. Um, just kids getting wrapped up in presents, good white elephant parties, devotions about who Jesus is and Mary's role and Joseph's role by Glenn and Rachel. Thank you so much for that time too. Um, there's a cookie celebration. All the bakers came together this past week right over here next door. Just good fellowship, good time together, people baking and having a good time, remembering the joy that ought to be for this time in, our, in this year for Christmas is obviously um, that we should have. Um, this coming Sunday too, not this Sunday, but next Sunday on the 18th, if you are just, and if you have the time, if you love quality singing in a beautiful location, come out to Tubingen Stierfkirche, we have someone actually in our congregation singing in a German choir. I'm not going to mention her name, but come and see if you can spot her in the choir. Just a good time to come out there in Tubingen if you're able. The Jack family, a promotion. Are you here today? I'm not sure if they're traveling this week or not. There they are. 
Just want to thank you for allowing us to celebrate your continued responsibility in the Navy. We all have roles in our military community, and you are Jesus' witness wherever you work, in your home, in your office. And thank you for your example to us, Kevin, Leslie, and Joshua, too. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's always good to sing. Let's sing our next hymn together, shall we? Hark the Herald Angel Sing, number 277. Sounded great. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Kate Porter, and I will be reading today's scripture. Our first reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 45, and our second reading is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 and 16 through 20. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 can be found on page 724 in your pew Bibles. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And then 1 John chapter 3, verses 
1 and 2 and 16 through 20 is found on page 863 on your pew Bibles. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and where we are sure our hearts before him, whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think most of you know who Kate is because she is the one that first greets you when you come in the door, right? Um, She's the one there with that first smile. She's the one there handing out the bulletin for you. And uh, Kate, I can't thank, thank you enough for reading the scripture today because... In so many ways, um, when you read the Magnificat, that beautiful passage that Mary speaks, um, it speaks of humility. It speaks of that, um, that young, tender woman who God used to birth a Savior. Um, if we miss the humility of Christmas, we're, we're missing the point. It's wonderful to cook cookies. It's wonderful to sing songs. It's wonderful to... To do all these concerts and Christmas markets, yes, but unless we stop and own the humility of what Christmas means, Jesus, God, the creator of, like I said before, all galaxies, the creator of all DNA, coming and becoming one of us, that's beautiful. Jesus came um, because we have this offensive pride that we have. And I don't know if humility can be taught. It's caught, it, it's caught I think, humility is caught as we connect with the living Lord Jesus. So let's take a moment before we progress with our service to settle our souls, to just be quiet for a while, to think upon the significance of what it means the creator of the universe becoming one of us. Let's confess our sins to him. Let's confess our foolish pride. And let's ask him for help in that heart of humility that we all desire. God, our Father, this uh, young boy who was born on Christmas, who we remember, but we know that he grew to be much more than a, a boy. He grew to be an eternal sacrifice, atoning for our sin, past, present, and future. Remember those words from the book of Hebrews that says that one sacrifice was made to perfect those for all time who are being made holy. We are made holy through that one body of Jesus Christ, one time for all. So thank you for the birth. But thank you so much more for that atoning sacrifice that makes us pure and righteous in your eyes, Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen. We heard earlier, um, as Kate read too, that from 1 John 3, that we ought not to, as children of God, just love with words, but let our love be in action and in deed. And let that be true of our community, where you live, with your neighbors, with your family, the ones that are sometimes hardest to love, with your coworkers. You carry the brand mark of Jesus as you are baptized in him wherever you go. So please 
not, do not neglect this holy calling that you have as a child of God. As Kate read so well, as the scriptures remember us so well, let's live well indeed and in truth and in action. That's how we're known as Christians. Um, today's offering is going to be sent as given for the chapel communities, for ministries like PWC, like the other groups that meet the scriptures and such that we purchase here, all meant for that too. But I want to remind you next week, there is a rare ministry that um, is not very popular. These, it's, it's only been, it's only been uh, known for the past five years. Um, it's called the Shy Fund. Um, the Shy means gift in Hebrew. And next week, I just want to perk your notice that next week this offering will be given to the Shy Fund. This group um, came across my notice because they are the ones who have done very um, practical work in, in very dangerous places. They are the ones who have rescued Christians out of Afghanistan and brought them to safe places. They, this organization has been instrumental in going to some of the most difficult places around the world, helping refugees and immigrants, um, helping them have um, food and shelter and, and housing, some basic things. So that's, that designated offering will be as, um, as we celebrate next, next Sunday through the Shai Fund. I want to make, make you notice for that. As, we, um, as the ushers do come um, get our offering in just a moment, though, for our community, we do get to have a first children's choir today. Some of the children are out sick. It's not the full choir, but they're going to give you our best. And so um, our first attempt at a little children's choir. Rachel, so much, thank you so much for your help. And children, so much thank you for being here and giving your best with your voices. Ushers, um, would you please come forward for a morning offering? is not asking. Prayer is also listening. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Prayer is listening, and let that be just a thought as we, as we join a time of corporate prayer together, that prayer is active listening. Um, if by chance the roads get 
iced over next week and it rained or it snows like a foot of snow next Saturday and Sunday, um, by chance we won't have chapel. I hope that you will go take a walk in the snow and I hope you will listen. Just listen. Of course, listen for the Lord. Um, you listen through his word. Um, confirm because sometimes our subjective thoughts get the best of us. But listen, listen well. Um, today, I'm going to recount some of the prayers that you gave me um, this past fall. And two of the prayers that were spoken by you have to do with listening. So as I read these prayers, I want you to prayerfully pray them yourself. Open your eyes, close your eyes. It doesn't matter. But just listen to these, um, these prayerful thoughts that you have given me. Prayer number 43. Lord, may we please hear from you in accurate and hear from you in holy ways. Speak to us. Give us your ears to hear. Give us ears to hear it and give us hearts to receive it. And I might add, Lord, give us the courage to act upon the what you've given us, the instruction you have given us in your word. Prayer number 51, someone wrote, Lord, teach me to listen. These times are noisy. My ears are weary <laughs> with a thousand ruckus sounds which continually assault them. Lord, give me the spirit of the boy Samuel who said to you, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Um, this person then uh, wrote an inspiring quote um, from A.W. Tozer. I don't know if you know the, word, the Christian writer A.W. Tozer. He wrote some very profound things, and he says something. He says, Lord, let me get used to the sound of your voice, that its tones may be familiar when the sounds of earth die away. And then the only sound will be the music of your voice speaking. A.W. Tozer, very beautiful. So let's pray together. Eyes closed for a moment. Lord, teach our, our Patch Chapel here, Patch Protestant, to be listeners. Um, Lord, let us come to your word so that um, our subjective thoughts don't get the best of us. Lord, we, uh, we need your voice more than we need our voice. And so thank you for teaching us this Sunday to be not prayer warriors, but prayer listeners. Lord, we come back to that dependable, sturdy prayer that the Lord Jesus modeled for us. We don't speak it out of dutiful repetition, but we speak it from the sincerity of our hearts. Um, we give you each phrase very deliberately. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Lord, we will listen to you today through the preaching of your word, um, through the scripture that is brought before us. Uh, help us be listeners to your word and to the teacher today, um, my friend, our friend, Ryan Barang, as he teaches us your word. Amen. Thanks, Eric. Okay. Okay, good morning, everybody. Morning. Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, it is the, the, the most wonderful time of the year. Everybody wants to know this question. Well, actually, what are, what's the question that's asked the most this time of year as you listen around? What is everybody asking? What do you want for Christmas? Yeah, okay. How about what is Christmas about? Right? Everybody's like, I wonder what Christmas is about. We love watching those corny Christmas movies and seeing like the punchline, this is the meaning of Christmas, and it was about gifts or something like that. But 
what is, I'm going to ask you, what is the meaning of Christmas, Christians? Come on, go ahead and shout it out. What do you think the meaning of Christmas is? Jesus, Emmanuel, yeah. Oh, who said joy? Who said joy? Just sell. Oh, just sell. Cheated. <laughs> joy. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. If you look at our Advent wreath here, if you didn't grow up in a liturgical church like me, myself, I had to learn this just, just recently. As a chaplain, I said, I wonder what that wreath's about. So as Eric said last week and the week before, we've been talking about this wreath. It's a tradition that goes back to the time of Martin Luther. It's about uh, 500 years old in Germany. And it's in Advent, we celebrate four virtues that Jesus brings. First week was hope, then peace, and then joy, and then love, and then Christ is in the middle. But it is a wonderful tradition that really stirs my affections for Jesus. But look at this. I got the best week. You know why? Because I get the pink candle. And the pink candle uh, represents a break in solemnity because at the time, it was a time of fasting and prayer and reflection. And then you got to week three in Advent, right? There's four weeks leading up to Christmas Eve. But week three talked about joy. And pink symbolizes the coming of the Messiah. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means the coming. And in the Bible, the same thing for Advent is the Greek word parousia. And when we celebrate the coming of Jesus, it's really not just uh, eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, right? But it's also a 150-pound bearded, tattoo on the side, king of kings, lord of lords, sword coming out of his mouth, riding on a white horse, coming Jesus. You know what I mean? That Jesus. So when we celebrate the coming of Jesus, we think about the people in the Old Testament look forward. They long for the coming of this Messiah. And these candles are not meant to light up the whole room. They're meant to show us light in the midst of darkness. There's a lot of traditions here with the Advent wreath. Uh, the, the, the Roman Catholics do it a certain way. Other people have a red candle, but the, the theme is always the same. It's light coming in the midst of darkness. And it's not lighting up the whole room, but it's lighting up a certain part of the room. And the closer you get to the light, the clearer you can see. It's wonderful. It stirs my affections for Jesus. So when, when joy, when we're thinking about joy, I think that the whole thing is about joy. When, if you look at Luke chapter 2, and in Luke chapter 2, this is the Christmas story. What's the first thing the angels say when they come and they greet the shepherds, these, these, this rascal bunch of group in the, in the field? What do they say to them? What do they say? I don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim the good news of great joy. The euangelion, the good news of great joy. The Greek word there is mega joy. I'm bringing you mega joy. So it starts with joy, right? If you look at Jesus' ministry, he talks about joy a lot. If you look at Ju uh, Luke, chap um, no, sorry, John 15, 11, in John 15, 11, he says this. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay? I'm building a case that's all about joy, the joy of the Lord. If you fast forward to Jesus' the end of his ministry in what's called his high priestly prayer, when he knows it's his last moment with his people, he prays this prayer. I mean, if you knew you were going to die the next morning, what would you do? Well, Jesus prays. And this is the height, this is the, the pinnacle of his prayer for his disciples. Listen to this, John 17, 13. John 17, 13 says this, Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things into the world so that they may have my joy complete in them. Jesus, speaking to the Father about the, what's deep on his heart, is that his disciples, that his followers, would have joy more than anything else. One of my favorite writers is C.S. Lewis. He wrote his autobiography, uh, is Joel, Surprised by Joy. Anybody read, raise your hand if you read C.S. Lewis. Yes, C.S. Lewis is an amazing author, wrote Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe, but this is a classic uh, writing of C.S. Lewis. He says joy is on his, his mind more than, more than anything else. 
And C.S. Lewis drew a distinction between joy and happiness. And in his book, he says, joy is so much deeper than happiness because happiness is based off of happenings and joy is based off of perspective or how we see it. If we see things through the kingdom of God, we see things through the lens of scripture, if we see things through Jesus Christ, we, nobody can ever take that from us. But our happiness is fragile. It's so fragile. You could be minding your own business and someone says the wrong thing to you and your joy is gone. It's shattered, just like that. It can be taken from you. You can be having a wonderful day. One person at school, one of your classmates says that a one mean thing and your happiness is gone. But you can still have joy because the perspective. And uh, children, adults, happiness goes like that too. All it takes and, and sometimes the children think, well, I, my mom and dad don't know what it's like to be made fun of or someone says something mean to you. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. And some of the people here uh, that are new to the military, they might think that, oh, these high-ranking people, they're, 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 they're pretty solid. No, no, I'm telling you, because I know, because they tell me things, because I'm read into a lot of, the, it seems like the higher you go up, the more sensitive you are to, um, to people and what they say about you and, uh, and, and a one of, a famous speaker said that one time, like the higher you go, the more sensitive you get. Someone says the wrong thing to you, and oh, do they like me? Do they like me? So the happiness is so fragile, and Jesus knows that. God knows that. That's why his, his, that's his, uh, his desire for everybody was to have joy, to restore our joy, because our joy was fractured in the garden when, when man chose to sin. It was fractured. It was broken. And every moment since then, he's been trying to restore our joy. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God more than anything else. But he talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. I would even say that he talked about the kingdom of God more, way more than church. The word church only came out of Jesus' mouth about like two different instances. <laughs> Did you know that? But he was always talking about the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is about? We'll look at Romans, Romans 14. 17. Romans 14, 17 says this. 14, 17. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There you go. Case closed. I've established that Christmas is all about joy, that Jesus came to bring joy. We celebrate joy with this candle, with this pink candle. And, and we have joy knowing that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That's what Advent is. We're not talking about eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. We're talking about the Jesus that's going to establish his kingdom on earth forever. Just think about this. Just think about all the things that we have going on. It's, it's like there's, there's seasonal depression. There's vitamin D deficiency. There's all kinds of things that lead to depression in December. It gets cold. There's no light. But if you think about what Christmas is about, the coming of the Messiah, it brings us right back to joy. I'll say something that sounds really off as a pastor and as a chaplain, but I don't care about your happiness as much as I care about your joy. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the number one request is, when, when, if, if you talk to any counselor, one of the number one requests is, I just want to be happy. I'm leaving this relationship because I'm not happy anymore. And when we lose sight of joy, of course you, of course you would want to opt out of something. Of course you'd want to quit. But if we keep joy, joy is based off a of perspective that I am in him and he is in me and I'm, I'm hidden in Christ. And so many things, you could list a million things in the scripture of who we are, our identity in Christ, and then our joy is restored. So with, with that, I, uh, I want to just say... Uh, it's all about joy. I made this video. I don't know if it'll play, but uh, I will play it on uh, on this speaker here. It's just a little YouTube commercial. Hold, hold on one second. Okay, so we made this. I made this commercial just to, uh, like a little sixty second thing about joy.
and he brings good news of great joy. In John 15, 11, Jesus told his disciples that his vision for them was that their joy would be full. Finally, in his last hours on earth, in John 17, 13, Jesus' final request to the Father was that the disciples would be filled with his joy. Joy is a gift from God, a heart overflowing with gladness and delight based on the perspective of the faith rooted in God's character. May your hearts be overflowing with the joy of the Lord. Okay, I had a little cool animation that my friend did for me, but, but it's all about joy. Now, going into our series... Has everybody enjoyed the series of the, uh, the Psalms of Ascent? One second. Stop YouTube there. Are we enjoying the, the series on Psalms of Ascent? Isn't it a wonderful series? Every, every week we have a, a different theme, ascending to something. Uh, this week it's Ascend to Joy. And I, I believe that these, these Psalms, they, they land right on it. It's, it's just like divine... God incidents, not coincidence. But Psalm 130 and I'm 131 and 132 are all about joy. It's amazing how it works. So I, as we split these up, I got the shortest Psalm, which is 131, only three verses. And I got the longest Psalm, which is 132, which is 18 verses. But I'm going to sum it up for you with this. It's all about joy. Let's read Psalm 131 here. Listen to my version. This is Christian Standard Bible. Lord, my heart is not proud. This is David speaking. My eyes are not haughty, just like prideful. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. And he ends by saying, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. Psalm 132 is a song about David. So Psalm 131, it was written by David. And we can imagine he's playing this on a harp. And and all the people of Israel would, would sing these psalms as they're ascending to Jerusalem three times a year. I love what Pastor Chris said last week that, Think about this. Jesus would be singing these psalms of ascents as he's walking almost near 100 miles from, from Galilee or from wherever he was all the way up to Jerusalem. And this song, Psalm 132, is about King uh, David. One Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. David endured a lot of hardships. I mean, if you just read his life, it's like a drama. It's, it's like a... I forgot what those channels, Lifeway or something like that. No, that's a book. Um, anyways, one of those dramas on, on Netflix, right? His life, but he had joy. Verse 2, and he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. It's hard, it's hard. David is a worshiper. He wants to have a place where people could worship God. We heard, verse 6, we heard of the Ark of Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Rise up, Lord. Come to your resting place. And you and your work in your powerful Ark, may your priests be clothed with righteousness. May, our, may your faithful people shout for joy. David also wanted the people of Israel to have joy. Verse 10, for the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. Verse 11, the Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon, which the Lord says, I will set one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them, so their sons will also sit on your throne forever. 13, for the Lord has chosen Zion... He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. Verse 15. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its need with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation. And its faithful people will shout for 
joy. The last two verses here. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame. But the crown he wears will be glorious. When I sum up these two, these two psalms, it is about joy. Now, if we go back to Psalm 131, I'm going to, I'm going to harp on here and close with this. He has an interesting picture of a baby. Now, I wish there was a crying baby in here right now, but all the babies are, are, are calm and quiet. But when babies do cry, it reminds me that, that this place is growing. Let's play a game really quick. Guess that baby. All right. Is the baby on the left in the room here? He's sick. Okay. We just gave it away. The one on the left is John. Anybody know the baby on the right? Who can guess? Uh, if, if, if you're over here, don't guess. Anybody know? Hold her. Yes, Zach, hold her up. There you go. There she is. Look at her. Look at that. Okay, Lena Elizabeth Yost. Okay, watch this. Who are these kids? Who are these ones? This one, yeah, you, you can see this face right here? Looks exactly the same. This right here? What about this? Who's this? Where is she at? That's right. She's put, yeah, yes, he's point, pointing at her. Kylie and Giselle. What do they all have in common? They're weaned. This is, the, this is the age that they were weaned. Okay? Okay, ready? Drum roll, please. Watch this one. Who are these three? That's right. That's right, Owen. That's me. Um, probably in 1981. This is Ryder in 2009 or 10. That's Kyler. You would think it's the same person, right? Yeah, same exact person. Um, the, these, are all, these are all weaned babies. All right, what is it like to watch a baby being weaned? Anybody know? Anybody, what, what, stressful. Who said stressful? Yes. Alicia, what, what, what's it like? What, you just, do you just stop breastfeeding and the baby's like, oh, that's cool. That was, that was fun. What happens? Yeah. Um, why? Do you remember what it was like to be weaned? No. Okay. <laughs> I bet you were crying. I bet you were fussy. I bet it was it was it was hard. I watched babies scream, and then I and then I watched the mothers with this this angst of like, oh, do I just keep going? Do I stop? In the ancient world, the kids were weaned from anywhere from 18 months to five years old. You're thinking five years old? That's a that's a long time. And there's even people who have a, a different theories. They just keep going after five, right? But there's different reasons why a mother would not want to wean. Okay? And everybody has their different philosophies, every different cultures, like, well, we should stop weaning here, or, or not even start. It just goes back and forth. But this is an interesting picture that, that uh, David paints here. He says, look at his words. I have calmed and quieted my soul. David has reasons to have a very loud soul. I mean, if you read his life, I mean, he committed adultery. I mean, he was the highest ranking. He was the king, okay, and the king was part, of a, was part of, a, of, a, of a plan to take another man's wife into his home, and then he got her pregnant, and then he tried to cover it up by first-degree murder, one of, his, one of his biggest commanders. He had this whole scam. David should be in jail. And then one of his kids turned on one, and he had a child that, that uh, took advantage of his daughter, and then one turns out to super him on the throne, and there was a lot of drama here. David has reasons to have a very loud soul. But he says here in verse 2, instead I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. When the baby is finally weaned, and they realize that they don't need mommy's milk anymore, and then they can go on to solid food. At the time, they thought it was a very bad thing, but then they realized that's what they needed to grow, to grow up. Now, adults, what are we being weaned for, from? Look at verse 3 here. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. So this whole thing about 
about weaning this, this picture, it reminds me of us uh, and, and, you know, the children in here and the adults of what's constantly going on in our mind is what we think we need and what we really need, okay? I would like, and I, my prayer for everybody in here is that you would learn to use the word need in the right way. If you watch how many times the word need comes out of our mouths, I would say maybe about 99% of the time, it's false. I used to do this. I would yell at uh, my kids, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And I started thinking about it. If that was a need, what happens if I don't get it? Then my happiness is gone, then my joy is gone. If I put my need in the right thing, then I will be solid. If you can watch how you use the word need, then you wouldn't tell your children, parents, I need you to be quiet, I need you to go to bed, I need you to brush your teeth, I need you to eat your vegetables, I need you to get ready and get your butt in the car because we've got to be here on time. They're not needs. They're not needs. There are several things that we think we need that we don't need. In the Bible, this is called idolatry. If the sentence starts with, I need, and then it ends with anything that doesn't end in G-O-D, then now I have now engaged in idolatry. The only thing we need is the Lord. I'll prove it to you. Look at this Bible verse. But my God shall supply all your need, some versions say needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. So that means, wait, if this is true, that means I have all that I need in Jesus. Period, over, and out. You know where Paul wrote this from? Does anybody want to guess where did Paul, where was Paul when he wrote this? When he wrote this to the Philippians? I thought well, someone was going to say the Philippines, but it's not. He's in Philippi. He's in jail. Uh, this, this was a church plant. You know how it started? About 10 years prior to him writing this, Paul was on a trip, and he had uh, cured a lady, and then people freaked out, and they said, you can't do that, and then they caught him, they beat him, they whipped him, they threw him in jail. And he and his buddy were in jail. Is it Paul and Barnabas? The story's Acts chapter 16, okay? They're in jail, and they're saying, what, what, what are we going to do in here? Oh, I know. Well, let's, let's sing some psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that's right. So it's what you do in jail, right? It's all you have to do. They start singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. An earthquake happens. All the people are free from the jail. The jailer starts running. He's about to kill himself because that's a death penalty if, you, if your prisoners get free. And then Paul runs out and says, no, no, hey, we're, still, we're, all, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. And then they witness to this jailer, they witness to this, this prison guard, and then he gets saved. They say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you and your household. And then they started this church. Um, pretty, cool, pretty cool story, right? Well, if this Christmas, if we focus on this, that, that all of our needs are met in him, then I don't need anything. It's a wonderful place to be. I have a list of, of the things uh, that I have a list of things that might be um, false needs uh, this Christmas. I'm going to ask some helpers. Can I get like four or five helpers to, to pass this out? I'm going to close w- with this, okay? All right. Mr. St. Patrick here. <laughs> okay. Joel. Okay, so they're going to get two pages, and I might have mixed them up. Yeah, you'll see the, the, fir- the first page, the first, that's the first page, and then, the, yeah. So, it starts at page 42, and it goes to 49. I've, it's just a copy of, of, a, of a little booklet that I wrote that I never, I never printed it, but one day I will. So starting at page 42 to 49, and it's a list of things that you might think you need. Okay. We don't have time to fill it out all here today. I'll give you a few minutes as I play Psalm 131 to fill this out. 
It's essentially about idols of the heart. I think there are four, four core idols of the heart. In other words, four false needs. And if we can guard our hearts against its tendency to wander into these four needs, we will have joy that's unshakable. We'll have joy that, that, is, that surmounts any circumstance. You know what my, my prayer, my vision for everybody would be was that, that your joy would be so solid that you would never pray, Lord, can you change my circumstance? It would be, Lord, regardless of what I'm going through, I thank you that I have joy because I'm seeing this through your lens. Like if you were thrown in prison, I would pray that your joy would, would be so solid that you wouldn't pray, Lord, can you get me out of here because this place is horrible. But that, Lord, well, I'm here. I'm here unjustly. Let me just sing your praises. The Psalms, over and over and over, bad things are happening, but the psalmist says, but I will sing anyways. I will praise your name anyways. And this year, as we go into the new year, if you're going to pick a resolution, maybe it would be to have joy, to have joy and to exchange our joy for all these false needs, the, the false need of control, the false need of I need to be in control, which is not true. And all the fights that break out in our, in our houses, like the one that might have broke out in the Brang household this morning, but it doesn't matter because those things don't surprise me because we live in a broken world and I know I could, I could lean back on joy. When my children fight each other, and they do, it's no problem because I know where joy comes from. The circumstance, the happiness is gone in the moment, but the joy can always be there. When mommy and daddy fight, which, which uh, rarely happens, just kidding, but when it does happen, it's okay. It's okay. We live in a house where confession and repentance in front of each other is just the ongoing mantra and our ongoing ethic. This false need of power, like always having to be right or always having to get in the last word or having to work myself up into a position, that's a false, I don't need that. We don't need that. The false need of approval, it doesn't matter what people think of me when God has already approved me and sees his son through me and see, when he sees me, he sees the blood of Jesus. So I don't need to do anything to impress my friends my coworkers, my colleagues, anything. I, and I, I put more detailed lists of, of people that you might be, that we might be seeking approval from. The false need of comfort. I don't need to be comforted if God is my comfort. There are some things we do in life. We choose comfort because of our background and our story, which is okay for a season. But in the end, I want to choose what's most uncomfortable, and that's being fully known. And that's being fully loved through being fully known. So in my marriage, as uncomfortable as it is, I need to always bring my sins and my struggles to the table. It's not comfortable to live in Christian community because that means I have to admit where I'm at. Does anybody like doing that? I don't like doing that. I don't like admitting that I'm broken. I don't like admitting that... that that I get angry. I don't like admitting that I'm, that I'm in over my head sometimes. I don't like doing those things, but when I live a life of confession and repentance, that's joy. That's joy, and it's so much better than choosing comfort. One of these days, one of these days, you might have to walk into an office, maybe Pastor Eric's office, maybe another counselor's office, maybe an MFLAC, maybe Focus, maybe some sort of counselor, and you might need to say, I need some help. And it's not going to be comfortable, but it's going to be what's required for joy. I'm going to play. Our time is up. I'm going to play a song by poor Bishop Hooper. He's a guy that just wrote a psalm, a song for every psalm in the Bible. And as I play this, I want you to just get your, get your checklist, okay, and look at it. If you have a pen, you can start marking things off. It'll just be a few minutes. And, and I've included prayers there, too, on how how to renounce all these things. And as these things creep up into our hearts, and if you notice it, it's just a time of, it's just a time of confession.
Lord, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Lord, I did that. Oh, yeah, Lord, I definitely did that. And as you do that, it also leads into thanksgiving. Like, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. For everything you check in here, it's thank you for your forgiveness. I was helping my friend fill this out. And as I'm reading the list to him, um, he's like, check, check. It's like, yep, no, no for that one. Uh, yes for that one. No for that one. And at the end, he goes, how did I do, bro? How, what was my score? And I said, well, what you, what you want to do is have as many as possible because that's a win. But he's like, how did I do compared to everybody else? Okay, let's put that one down in there, the, 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 the approval, the, the comparison thing. If you checked every single box on that list, that's also a win because it's getting it out there. If there's anything that you don't want to check, maybe take that up with the Lord. Okay. Okay, I'm going to play this song and spend some time with the Lord and, and fill that out. encourage you to uh, take these take these home and, and reflect on them journal about them
and uh, my, my prayer is that, that this Christmas you would experience the joy of the Lord, that our New Year's resolution going into the new year would be a life full of joy. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news of great joy that you supply all of our needs, that you're the only thing we need, Lord, and we find our joy in you. Thank you for this Christmas season, God. I pray that everybody here would, uh, would go in peace and be blessed. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.